the been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. So, oddly, Stevenson, a.k.a. the odd man, among his highlighted resume, spent five years podcasting in the National Basketball Association with his show, the Breakdown with Dave and Audley. Today, he is the Deputy Commissioner for the National Basketball League of Canada. His podcast, the Audacious Living Podcast, features business, media, sports, and entertainment figures. He's a professional speaker and a fellow Canadian. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking Thanks, Debbie, for having me. This is so awesome. I like the way when you said my, the introduction, you said the odd man. You kind of <laughs> did that. Uh, I, I picked up on that. Thank you. That was very nice. Thanks. Nice touch. Nice touch. Okay. So I have to ask you because everybody seems to have find a one one or two things that are their passion. So uh-huh. why basketball? What drew you to the sport? Uh, it's, it's it's something that I, I, I loved as a child. I, I I played often and always. It seemed as a young boy. Um, uh, you know the the the, the one thing what for me and my perspective what separated basketball from a lot of other sports is you 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 really felt that you had an opportunity to get up close and personal i if you're watching on tv you saw facial expressions and reactions you know they weren't hindered by helmets or anything like that nature and i thought early going the 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 nba did a really good job of selling personalities and it really gave you an opportunity to meet players and understand them and and laugh with them and smile with them and you know feel sad with them and all sorts of things so you, you there was a connection so i thought they always did a really good job of connecting with fans uh and you, you just I, i've always had an appreciation for the sport um, you know, my in my early days as a young boy, I, I loved watching Magic Johnson Lakers, and uh, you know, it was just this, this attraction and appeal, this razz and taz, fancy passes, and just made it look really, really exciting. Uh, and so that, and that's kind of where it started with me. And I just have always sort of been in that realm and always in that space. And as, as time has gone on. Uh, I, I, I'm talking some of my teenage years as I was growing. Uh, you know, I, I, it, the reality is kind of set in that, like, you know, I wasn't going to make the NBA and be a, you know, NBA star, but I still love the game. I still appreciate the game. I still love watching the game. I still love being a part of the game. And uh, I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be able to find a connection to it, even in my adult world and my professional life. So, um, you know, you oftentimes hear players talk, well, the game's been good to them. Well, the game has been very, very good to me as well. And I'm, I'm again, I get a, a pre, I'm a blessed to have the opportunity to be a part of it the way I am. And I understand the National Basketball League, it started during the NBA lockout year. And how would you describe the league and where do your players come from? So I'll give you a little history. So NBL Canada started yeah during the lockout year. Um, there, was, there was no, you know, it wasn't a planned thing. It just happened the way. That's how you know how things played themselves played out. 
Um, uh, interestingly enough, so I've been, I, I started podcasting and that's why I have such an appreciation for this medium uh, because it's also similar to basketball, so near and dear to my heart. And so I started podcasting in 2007. Uh, the very first podcast I had was with a, a good friend of mine, Dave Mendonca, and I was called the NBA Breakdown with Dave and Audley. And we focused on the NBA. And we talked to players, we interviewed players, we had, you know, we were one of the one of the early, I'm not gonna say we we're the very first uh, podcast, but we were probably, you know, in that top five of podcasts that were credentialed by the Toronto Raptors. So we were giving media credits, credentials, and we got to interview players in the locker room and got to go to practices and all these sorts of things. And so we were having a lot of fun, right, <laughs> more than anything else. And um, uh, you know, we were, we were moving along nicely, and then lo and behold, uh, a lockout happens. And it, it, it sort of caught of us caught up, caught up us guard because we weren't really prepared. Um, everything that we had done with, had been focused around NBA content. And it's really interesting. I want to make a distinction because now, given social media and the availability of information and all these sorts of things, you know, the, the, the players weren't as accessible as they were today as they were back then. Back then, as they were now. Um, news wasn't as readily available. Uh, things were just vastly different. So in our viewpoint, if there was no basketball actually being played, no games actually happening, like, what to do? Like, that's kind of the, the conundrum that we had. Um, again, you know, if NBA locked down, now there's lots and lots and lots of things we you could that are, that still could be done. It was very different back then with no social media and the social media to the degree that it is today. Um, so, the NBA, so the NBL Canada starts along, and we're like, "Hey, there's a Canadian basketball league that's starting in its inaugural season. Let's let's find a way to be a part of it." And um, I came on board as a volunteer. Uh, and I, I was essentially looking to just wanting to be a part of something new, something special, something that was uh, exciting. Uh, and I was looking to take what I was doing in this whole world of podcasting around basketball and bring that to NBL Canada. So I actually started an NBL Canada podcast called NBL Canada Live. And so, I, you know, that was my second podcast now that I got into. And this is still, you know, we're only talking about 2011. And I'm on my second podcast, right? <laughs> um, and so we did that and that sort of expanded and, and throughout the years, uh, my role with the league changed and it evolved and it grew and I took on more responsibilities. Um, and it was, it was great to be a part of. Uh, the exciting part for me at that time was that uh, you, 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 the, the league was providing players an opportunity. And we're talking about players, uh, Canadians as well as, as Americans, who were uh, interested in being a part of uh, their, their, their dream. So, you know, so similar to me, I had that dream of being a professional basketball player. Mine didn't come to fruition, but for another Canadian player, that option was there. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud about the, 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 the growth of the league is back then, and, and this is more a testament to the, the sport of basketball here in Canada, but in year number one of NBL Canada, uh, there was a requirement that only two Canadian, there was only a, a two Canadian spots were designated for players. So, you know, you, 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 players, to, to, to go to your earlier question where players come from, they come from all over the world. Um, you know, they can, whether Division One school down south in the U.S. or maybe you're overseas, you, you can come from virtually anywhere. And we were getting that notoriety as time has gone on as an opportunity for people who were maybe, you know, maybe uh, weren't good enough to make the NBA, 
that was kind of what the what the league did in terms of unop- and uh, and again that's when we talk about where players came from. You know, that's just one of the places. And then and so you added to that. You now have a platform for Canadian players who are chasing a dream to go pro. They had that 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 option as well. So um, it's two. It's, we started off with two players. It's now five per roster, the minimum. Uh, a lot of teams go with a lot more, and that, again, that speaks to the growth of the game here in Canada. Uh, you look in the NBA. There's 30 Canadians that are playing in NBA right now, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shows the strength of the game and the growth of it overall. I imagine. Like, so, what was you were a volunteer in the first year? Yes. So, what was your capacity? And I imagine there was a lot of growing pains because starting a new league is a very bold move. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, it just I was I, you know I just you know Debbie I just sort of availed myself and I sort of said you know whatever it is that you know I can do however way I contribute however way I can help you know I, I you know I, I want you to know that I'm here and so. Um, you know, I was doing things like creating content and, you know, whether it be videos or audio or the podcast, uh, I got into doing some writing. Um, I started doing communications with the league. I started doing press releases. And this is over a course of time. I was doing a bunch of things and it just sort of added and added and added on. And then in 2017, um, the, the board of directors appointed me the deputy commissioner of the league. So now I'm in a, a, an executive role, an executive capacity with a league that I started off as a volunteer. And then this past, um, this past April, uh, my, my, my title has changed again, and I'm now the vice president of, of basketball operations for the league as well. So, um, you know, for me, it's a really great story in terms of, from a standpoint of just sort of perseverance and, you know, finding a way to connect to the things that you love. Um, I, I, I had the privilege to speak to a lot of students and whether in sport management programs or, or different types of college programs or university programs for that matter. And I oftentimes talk about the fact that, uh, you know, it's important to find ways to, to stay connected to things that you love. And, um, you know, you know, early on, you're not all, it's not always going to be about, uh, uh, getting that job, that dream job, and sometimes you've got to work to it. I can tell you from my perspective, when I came in as a volunteer, I had no idea that where I'd be sitting today would be the end goal or the final. It would end up there. Uh, and so, you know, it, it has been, it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, I've, again, I think a, a big part of that is just that I've been very um, uh, open, uh, I've been appreciative, and I've been honored to do as much as I possibly can because you're absolutely right. Starting a pro basketball league in their early going is, is very difficult, uh, especially in a country that's you know driven by hockey. Like we're still a hockey yeah. country, and uh, as great as the Raptors have been the last several years, and and the and winning a championship and all they've done to elevate the game of basketball, it wasn't always that way. We weren't always mainstream. Uh, you know, you know, there, there was a time where you know not every Raptor game was televised, as an example. Um, and that just shows you how far we've come as a country uh, behind what I think is the best game on the planet. So <clears throat> getting back to the Raptors, um, how much, how can you even put into words how much their organization means to grassroots basketball in this country? <laughs> you, know, you, you know, it's it's funny because I was thinking the other day, um, there are generations. So, for example, my my son is fifteen years old. Um, uh, there, there are a generation in his age group that they say that home is where the heart is. 
Maybe that's why so many fall in love with Big Pine Key in Florida's Lower Keys. With epic ocean views, unspoiled wilderness, sandy beaches, abundant wildlife, RV resorts, and Stock Island's rustic charm. Florida's Lower Keys don't skip a beat. For more about the Lower Keys and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash lowerkeys. Only know the Raptors to be a playoff contending championship team. For those of us that reckon and know the history of the organization, uh, we'll know that uh, that wasn't always the case. Uh, we know that there were some really, really tough years. Uh, we know that uh, there were those that questioned whether or not the game had any legs here in the country. Um, so to see the kind of shift that they've made uh, and, and what they've done to establish themselves as a, a, a perennial playoff team, uh, a strong team, being in the playoffs year in, year in, and year in, for, 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 for a, young, a young avid watcher now, has no concept of some of the things that we live through. If it does, they, they, I mean, they'll look in the history books, I guess, or you do it, but you know, they won't really, really understand. And I, and I think that's a credit to what the organization has done to make an about face and, and, and really change uh, not only what they did off the court, but on the court. Uh, you know, very recently, Masai Ujiri has been re-signed uh, and he's staying with the organization. Uh, his contributions in terms of how he's helped shift an organization, the culture. Now they're part of, um, again, not just the sports world, but now we're seeing getting involved in social commentary and issues that are affecting people's day-to-day -day lives. They're there on the forefront. So, you know, the, the impact of the Raptors goes well beyond the basketball court. Uh, I think they're a phenomenal organization, a model organization, and really showing the rest of the world that this is more and greater than just sports. I remember when I was the president of the Prairie Football Conference of the Canadian Foot, um, Junior Football League, and what my toughest, toughest thing to do mm -hmm. was suspend players for bad behavior. Um, like usually it was on field uh, aspects when they got thrown out of game, you know, you, they were up for suspension. Yeah. When, as a deputy commissioner, what was your or what has been your toughest, toughest task to do? That's part I hated the most, actually. That's why I can <laughs> echo with you. I, I absolutely hated it because, um, you, know, you know, these players, they're, they're, they're here chasing a dream and they're not bad people. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes when but you we, have to we, do it. <laughs> no, you have to. No, you absolutely have to, and you have to. And I, I get it. It's just the part you hate. But what happens is they, they oftentimes you, you think about it. There, there's so much emotion in sports, and in that moment, you get caught up in the emotion and you make poor choices. And I absolutely agree with you. You have to be accountable to those choices. You have to answer to them, and you have to own them and take ownership of them. Um, it's just just really really tough because. You, you sometimes, you know, f you know, fans will watch and see this, you know, it's a split second moment, and they'll, oh, he's this kind of player, and he's a terrible player, and, and, and it's not really, the, that's not the case at all. It's just 
a, in a moment with a really poor choices made, and it, it's, it's not a condemnation of, as to who they are or their character or what you know who they are as individuals. You know, they all have families. They all have people that love them. They all have people that support them, uh, and they just made a, a really, really bad choice. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. Suspending players was the absolute worst thing. I hated it. I didn't like to do it. But I also recognize that it was a necessary component of the job. So I agree with you on that one. I feel better now. <laughs> did you? Did you have a special way you did it? Did you have a, did you have a technique or did you? Have, I just uh, had the philosophy. If you get yanked, you're gone. You, you lose the game, you know? Yeah. That it was, didn't matter who it was. And of course, when there was players from my own team. Yeah. Oh my God. Of course, yeah. I'd be riding a bus with them, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I hear you. I've, I've, I've been in that scenario more times than I care to. Begging. Oh, please, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, one of the things that we, we, we started to do at the very beginning of the season, um, we would sit down, started a couple of years ago, where we, we sat down with every single, a couple, a few years now we've been doing this now, where, whether, whether it be a training camp or whatever, and we talked about what's important to the league talked about the you know what the things that the league stood for the integrity and how we wanted the players to carry themselves because they represented us in the community and on the court and the, and the importance of the engagement and interaction with the fans and the importance of that that relationship because how critical it was to our league's success and so we we, we you know we, we recognized early on that that was a vital and necessary component um i i, I probably should have sat down and looked at uh, you know, the, the, the number of suspensions we saw a drop off or not, or the behavior on the court, we saw a difference in that. But, you know, I, I think our teams do a really good job of bringing in character people. Um, I'd, 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 be, I'd be a liar if I said we got it right all the time, because that's not the case. But I think by and large, I'm extremely proud of, of what the, the character of individuals that have joined our team have been a part of our organization. With basketball i mean obviously we're in canada hockey yep. is big uh the cfl is big and basketball is getting getting quite big yep. uh, where would for those who might not know or might want their kids to play where does the sport begin at the uh, grassroots level what opportunities are there in canada oh we are seeing just uh, an explosion of, of grassroots opportunities at the community club level. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, I think back to when my, my son, we, you know, I, I was here and I were just chatting about an hour ago, and I think I asked him out of the blue, um, how long have you been playing rep basketball now? Uh, because he's been playing for several years. And he actually, the very first program that we did, it was run by a, a minor basketball association in my area, and they ran what was called a small ball program, okay? Um, the little, he was seven years old, and what it was is you had a coach uh, and uh, who served as the lead instructor, and you had uh, fathers, or there were some others as well, so parents with their child, and uh, it, it was uh, very interactive. So the coach would say, okay, throw a bounce pass to your son. And you sat across and you threw the bounce pass and the kid would throw it back to you. And it was just, it was an echoing thing that went on. And that was his very, very, very first exposure. They used to have this, they, they had another thing was, it was a, uh, obviously the basketball room was too high for the kids to shoot up, shoot you know, that high up. Right. So they had this extension where they kind of brought the hoop down and all the kids got in line and they took turns throwing, shooting free throws. And, and that's where it started. 
it was very, very, so you talk about at the grassroots level, that's where it started. And from then, he played in a house league program. And uh, that, was, that was a bit more competitive. Uh, kids got to understand the structure of the game a lot more. Um, and that was that next level. Well, the, the, the level after that was the rep program, where it's highly competitive. You've got to be skilled. That's where you get in the whole thing of trying out, right? The, the, the two previous programs, you signed up, you're in. When you get to the rep level, you've actually got to try out. You've got to make the team. Uh, you've got to compete for your spot. Um, you've got a coach that's running plays, uh, that's running practices. Like, you know, this is what, so this is kind of the evolution. So uh, there's lots and lots and lots of community clubs that goes that exist. Uh, and again, that speaks to the, the you know, I, I, think, I think any sport, it does need to have a grassroots start. To have any sort of real, I mean, put hockey aside because hockey's at a different level, but right. uh, and, and it still has a grassroots program. But I really do think that's where you start if you're trying to start a growth sport. Um, and and there's lots and lots of opportunities. Is there any plans to expand the league in Western Canada? Yeah, you know, it's all the basketball it's in Eastern Canada. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that, that absolutely <laughs> always been on the league's radar. Um, you know, we are the, the, the National Basketball League of Canada, uh, but you know, until we're across Canada, we're not truly national. And so that's always been recognized as a desire of the league to do so. Um, you know, the way the way we view it is to expand out west. Uh, we probably need a couple teams um, to do so and, and, and literally create a western division. You know, we've got teams in the Maritime, we've got teams in Ontario, uh, but to, to, to go out with, say, one team out west uh it is a bit more challenging when you talk about travel and you know i think you know we you know, we, we haven't looked at all the costs of flights this year coming out of a pandemic we'd imagine that you know travel costs are going to be elevated as well so uh the plans always still is there um one of the things that we absolutely want to do is solidify our, our existing base and solidify where we're at but absolutely growth and expansion out west is is, is always an interest of our league yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it is interesting, and and I see that with lacrosse too, with mm -hmm. the um, grass, the minor pro levels mm -hmm. of lacrosse, where uh, Vancouver, there's hot spots across the country where right, it's right, the most right. popular, right? That's right. No, you're absolutely right, and so it's it, again, it's 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 certainly some some place we want to be and we want to look at, um, uh, and it'll, it's it's going to take time, but you know, it's it's funny. We are, we are, you know, we're, we're going into our 10th season, which, you know, we, we proudly say that we're Canada's longest standing professional basketball league. Yeah. Um, but as, you know, uh, but when you, when you have that sort of title, if you will, that means not only have you been around for a lot, but you've seen a lot and you've gone through a lot. Uh, it certainly hasn't been an easy road. Uh, there are ups and downs. Um, you know, the, the, the NBA, you know, is, is, a, is an example. Uh, many forget that, you know, as a basketball league, they went bankrupt twice, right? And so uh, there's a lot that they had to go through to get to where they are now and look where they're at. And so, you know, we look at that, you know, examples such as that, and not to say we are the NBA of Canada, but we certainly have something to grow and aspire to. Let's talk a just a little bit about your podcast, sure. uh, the Audacious Living Podcast. So <laughs> I'm assuming the name of it is a twist on your own name, <laughs> or is it? does it reflect your philosophy? Yeah, it, 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 it's a pure coincidence. Um, it, there wasn't a 
a, an attempt to make a connection to the name Audley. Um, your, your, your ladder is probably more accurate. It absolutely is uh, a philosophy and a, a way of being in terms of how I live my life. Um, I sat down last December-ish. It's when the podcast started. So just before that, I really started to look at um, the things that were important to me. Um, you know, we were now in the height of COVID. Uh, the pandemic took everything away from us. There wasn't any option to do anything because we couldn't. And I felt that I needed to do something not only for uh, my own benefit, for, for something I wanted to sort of share with the rest of the world and sort of how I could serve others. And uh, I really started to do some, you know, some, some, some really a deep dive into myself. Um, there's an expression, uh, a sweetest expression, I talk about finding the red thread. And so I started to look for that red thread in my own life and the things that mattered to me and the thing that continued to be pervasive and, 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 and common in everything that I've done. And the, the, the theme of audacity is what sort of rang through. I look at every sort of major success, every major accomplishment. It was as a result of me being audacious and taking that bold first step. Uh, we, we talked about NBL Canada. Well, if I wasn't audacious enough or bold enough to say, hey, I want to volunteer and be a part of this league, yeah. uh, I wouldn't be where I am today. So uh, every major accomplishment for me comes out of that trait. And, and that's kind of the starting point. And I really start to look at, okay, um, when, we're, when, when, we, when we do take that first step or we do make, decide to make, to make that decision to be audacious, uh, what's the ripple effects? Uh, what's the impacts? Well, we can impact others in profound ways solely by being true to ourselves. When I say being true to ourselves, we're being audacious. We are being true to ourselves and doing the things that we're meant to do. I truly believe, Debbie, that we all they're, they're, we, we all are destined. We're all supposed to be doing uh, uh, something on this planet. And it's, it's up to us individually to take that time to understand what that is. But when we identify that, that's where the work starts. The work really starts because we've got to actually do and take action, right? So there's a and there's some internal work for ourselves, but then the end external work starts. And I truly, truly believe that once we are bold enough, audacious enough to take that risk, to take that chance, to be who we're supposed to be, not only impacting those around us because they're seeing what we do, right? And we're giving them courage. So let's say, for example, Debbie, wow, I, I've, you know, you're someone out there that, hey, I'd love to start a podcast one day, but I don't know if I really can do it. And here you are, there's Debbie doing her thing. You got Audi over here doing his. Well, maybe I can do it too, right? Yeah. But we were only able to do those things because we were bold enough to step out there and take that risk, take that chance, be audacious. So that's really, the, the in a nutshell, that's, you know, the, the, the podcast is all about. Uh, I had the good privilege of sitting down with all sorts of uh, really smart people, um, some brilliant people who care as much as I do about making this world a very more, a, a more audacious place. And uh, they leave lots of great learnings, insights, uh, how to overcome fear, how to be more courageous, how to take risks, um, how to external look, look at ourselves and be a better person, uh, things like compassion, kindness, love. These are all things that feed into the theme, what we, we share on the Audacious Living Podcast. But I think for me, the one one of the more foundational pieces is uh, the, 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 a point around our inner greatness. We all have an inner greatness that lies within us. 
And it's our responsibility to unlock the inner greatness because when we do so, the impacts that we have on other people around us is profound. And so um, that's, that, that, that's what I was led to do. And that's what I've been doing. We just did 51 episodes and uh, quite proud of the work and lots of good stuff more to come. Either with your pos- podcast or your basketball experience, without naming names, um, tell us a story that has really touched you regarding the sport, the impact of sport. Hmm, that's a great question. Impact of sport. Um, I know you probably have a thousand stories, but is there one that you can find that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a really good question because I'm going through this mental Rolodex of just, just you know, you know, I think even when you look at professional sports, where it oftentimes starts, it's a dream, it's a wish, it's a hope, it's a desire. And, 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 and I don't think athletes get enough credit for the work that's gone on in the back end, in the unseen hours, in the you know, early mornings and late nights, um, the sacrifices, uh, you know, the sacrifice of family members and loved ones who are supporting this dream, who are supporting this vision. Uh, they're, they're, you know, we oftentimes look at the sort of the end goal, right? Whether it be on draft day when you got your name called or when you're hoisting that championship because you won. Uh, That doesn't speak to nearly, it's not even, that's not even a fraction of all that's gone on, Um, whether they be setbacks or injuries. I mean, you know, every every athlete who I've ever, ever spoken to has probably been cut from a team, who's probably didn't meet a goal, has missed a shot, has not, you know, aspired to the thing that they were after, Uh, but they still persevere. They still pushed ahead. They still didn't allow that moment to define who they are. They, you know, I, I, I had the, the the good pleasure, not directly related to basketball, but I had the good pleasure of speaking with uh, Allison Levine. And Allison Levine is an adventure rock climber. And in two thousand in two thousand and two, um, she led the first female women's expedition up Mount Everest. And the goal was to climb Mount Everest. And um, I. It got lots and lots of, of, of uh, media attention. Uh, the Ford Motor Company was a sponsor. Um, uh, you know, the world was watching minute by minute updates as they made their way up this, to ascend up Mount Everest. Um, you know, the, the climb itself, the ex- expeditions of those natures, uh, you know, they, they take about two months. It's, it's not an overnight thing. It's, it's, it takes a long time to climb up the side of Mount Everest. And um, with the, the expedition after about two months, two months long expedition, they got within a few hundred yards of the summit, the top of the mountain, and they had to turn around and stop because the weather conditions were terrible. And wow. here you've got the entire world watching you. Um, everyone's cheering you on and you have to take a step back and, and stop because you can't go on any further. And to know that, you know, that becomes the focus. And that becomes, oh, you, you didn't make this goal, or or you failed this, or you didn't meet your, you know, you didn't meet what you're after. Uh, not recognizing all the things that had to get led into got you to the point that you got to. So sure, you know, the, the last few hundred feet to the summit is your goal, and you get up there and you say, yeah, I made it to the top, uh, but it doesn't wipe away everything else that's gone on. It doesn't take away the journey. 
and, and, and the process. And I think that's where our emphasis really should be upon, the learnings that take place on that journey to the top of the summit. And to the point where whether you get to the summit or not, you know, that's not the focus. Sure, it's there, it's nice to say you got to that end goal, but all the things that happen along the way, uh, that's what we, you know, we should be, our, our focus and attention should be on. That's where I find my motivation from. That's what, that was what truly inspires me. That's where the learnings come from, because in that time, you're going to fail, you're gonna succeed, you're gonna fall down, you're gonna get back up again, you're gonna be told that you couldn't do it, you're gonna have moments of doubt, you know, the imposter complex is going to feed its way in and tell you that you can't do it. Uh, you got to find a way. All of those things are going to happen. And it's that inner resiliency, the ability to persevere, the ability to push back, push back past those things, that's what's going to lead you to. So for me, that's, that's where it continues to be. And it's, it, it motivates me, it inspires me. Where can somebody watch the NBL games? So all games are online. Um, many of our, um, we, we, we actually have a, a, a MBLC Live uh, is where uh, all our games are hosted. We've got a ton of games on YouTube as well, um, through the league's, through the league's um, uh, YouTube channel. But uh, we've, got our own, we've got our own platform as well. It's mblclive.ca. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time. Thank you for having me. This has been a wonderful chat. I'm glad that you reached out. I appreciate that. And, and, and to, our listener, to your listeners, um, I, I say thank you as well. Uh, you know, if, it's, if there's anything that at the end of our conversation you walk away from, uh, again, it's just, you know, take, take those risks. Take those chances. Don't hold back. Um, the last thing that you want to do is live a life of regret. Live a life of wondering, how, you know, what if. Uh, you know, at the at the end of our days, when all all is said and done, you know, you want to be able to know that hey, look, there was something out there, and forget whether or not you got to the top of the mountain or not. At least I tried; I made that attempt. And so uh, that would be my final message to our listeners, Debbie. Thank you uh, for reaching out to me. Thank, thank you. you for having me, and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. And I've shared before how I love an organization called TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Recently, we invited some TAPS family members who had lost a military loved one to have dinner with us. As we listened to their stories, I was reminded again of how the loss of a military loved one is such a devastating experience. Not only is the loved one gone, but often they lose their military community and sometimes an entire lifestyle. My heart was sad over their grief yet my spirit was inspired by their courage. Then to top it off, I was amazed at their graciousness as they thanked us for just listening. At the Goodfeet Store, we love helping you get out of pain and back into the life you love, and we love supporting the work of TAPS. Come in today for your free fitting and test walk and ask any of our team members why TAPS is an organization that every American can support. Visit goodfeet.com for the location nearest you.